welcome to the Milestones, Motivation, and Money podcast, a weekly conversation filled with stories of business, financial literacy, careers, leadership, and resilience. Setting and achieving goals is key, whether they are related to your finances, business, or career. I hope to empower you with these conversations no matter where you are in life. I'm your host, Angel Radcliffe, and on this show, get ready to change your mindset and start your journey to achieve your lifelong goals. So if you need a little motivation to start your day or jumpstart your next project, tune in and be sure to join our community online at milestonesmotivationandmoney.com. Hey, 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 welcome back to the podcast. On today's episode, we're chatting about one of my favorite topics, finance. And in relation to separating your self-worth from your bottom line. And now, business owners, those of you who are out there, I know this can definitely hit a nerve when you are running your own business and you're constantly looking at those numbers and you're trying to have that self-worth and value yourself and you're basing it off of your net worth, your net profit, all of the things that are happening in your business. Well, no fret, because we're going to demystify all of that today. We have a special guest, Amy Liberty. She is the owner of My Virtual CFO, and Amy is a profitability advisor to six and seven figure business owners who are tired of being behind in their books and ready to uncover their blind spots. So we're going to dig deep into this conversation. Let's go ahead and welcome Amy to the show. Amy, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. I'm glad to have you here bright and early Saturday morning. And we're going to talk about one of my favorite things, which is related to money. All right, let's do it. (laughs) So you are a small business owner and you have been in that field of accounting and finance, uh, eventually opening up your own company, my virtual CFO. We're going to talk about that and small business because finances and business, of course, they go hand in hand, but so many people fail to do so many things around the finances, not only personally, but as it relates to the business. So we're going to dig down into some of those things that you do and then how those business owners can really start to appreciate themselves a bit more when their business is going down. (laughs) So how about you give us a little bit more of a background on you? Yeah. So I grew up with like always having this enhanced curiosity around money, just how it transacted, how it was created in terms of like earning and, and just wanting and almost intuitively knowing there was going to be something about money that I was going to do as a grown up. And, and I learned when I was 18 that I needed to finance for my own college education because my parents were not going to be able to do so. And it really gave me sort of the ground floor entry into learning about finance for for real. I had no idea about credit cards, student loan debt, all of the things. And I learned very quickly about all of it and made plenty of mistakes along the way. I found that in my career, up until I started my own business, that that there is transformation and power in understanding your finances. And I worked and developed with organizations how to create transformation through philanthropy. And, and then when it came time for me to sort of decide what the next chapter was, I thought I need to be able to provide this opportunity and service to small businesses that may not have the access to this type of strategy 
And, but they have like this desire to take their business to the next level. And so that's where my business started. And I've been doing that for, for the last six years. And I help six and seven figure business owners create a deeper relationship with money through onboarding accounting and financial coaching. Wow. And I'm not sure if you know this, but I have a a corporate background in finance. Gosh, it always brings back memories when I have these conversations. And so working in accounting finance and dealing with reporting trends, ledger accounts, I I surely don't miss those days, (laughs) but I'll tell you, you know, not only from the corporate standpoint for companies needing to understand their bottom line, small business owners need to understand that as well. And, you know, you mentioned that you help them uncover their blind spots. I want to get into some statistics because the SBA is often reporting in the first two years, there's more than 70% of small businesses that will fail. The number one reason is poor financial management. Mm -hmm. There are so many people who think that they can wear all the different hats and do things on their own. And everyone's not an accountant. Yes, we understand basic math, but you know, everyone, I always say you can't be an expert in everything. So as much as you try to follow the rules, you have to find someone and put your trust into someone who's going to handle those financials for you. And you mentioned your, my virtual CFO, but I want to dig into that word CFO, because there may be some people listening who don't necessarily understand what that means. So let's sort of break that down from the corporate perspective to what you do. And and is there a difference? Yeah. So, so CFO, chief financial officer, I think that some other terms that you may, your listeners have may have heard are like the controller, the treasurer, like in like, you know, like more of like, you know, nonprofit sort of board type positions. And the role that that, if you think about like in a corporate space, if you think about a boardroom and everybody's sitting around the table and there's the person who like is the head of marketing, the person that's the head of operations, you know, the executive officer, there's the CFO. And this is the person that is, is seen in the chair that is looking at the financial lens and is the person that is the expert, if you will, of all the financial things in the business. Now for business owners, you know, when, when typically starting out, they probably are thinking like, gosh, I don't need a CFO in my business. I already know what's happening, which is perfectly fine. Because if you think about, you know, when you're just starting out, you're, you're wearing all the hats. And so wearing the CFO hat is one of those, one of those things that you do. What I have found is that business owners do not get into business because they're really excited about the financials. If anything, they are taking along a like all of their all of their work with their money mindset from personal finance, they're taking it into the business with them. So if you are someone who has a thought of like, I'm really bad at math or I don't understand numbers and all of that, you are inevitably taking that with you into your business and you're most likely avoiding your financials. And what I'm here to tell you is that that doesn't have to be the case. That doesn't have to be your relationship with money personally or professionally, and that there is an opportunity for you to create a simple system that aligns that you can have a relationship with that will tell you the data that you need in order to make decisions that are not only like encompassing, like, you know, the marketing trends or the sales trends, or, but it's also including like, what are the financial trends? Is there a service that you're offering that's doing really well? And it's creating really great gross profit. Um, if that's the case, then is there something else that you're offering that maybe isn't performing and in solving for that, 
not from a standpoint of, of thinking that there is something wrong, but more of saying, okay, this is really helpful financial information. I want to scale my business to X. How, how can I use this information to propel and get myself there? So it's just really helpful data that helps you create a holistic decision on your business using all facets of business operations. Oh, wow. Thank you so much for that information. So you talked about the role of the CFO and starting your company, but I think I want to know, and I always ask this question on every show, I want to know more so general business and entrepreneurship, who taught you about that? Or how did you learn those steps to start your own business? A lot of what I had was number one, like self-taught. I mentioned, you know, being an 18 year old with no idea about like credit cards, about compound interest, about debt. And just other than like, I love to make money and I loved to work. And so then I didn't realize that there was like the other side of it. So like the revenue generating was something I did very well. I spent money very well as, as well, but usually at the end of the day, the revenue and the expenses were in the negative as an 18, 19, 20 year old. And I learned very quickly that there needed to be like a deeper understanding as to the reasons that I was making the financial decisions that I that I, I did. And then also course correcting it with like being creating greater intention and processing my emotions in regards to, to all of that professionally. I mean, my experience comes from the actual like professional work. So I worked in colleges and universities, building out philanthropic programs so that organizations could transform into the next version of themselves. And so I would work with 50, hundred million dollar campaigns, figuring out how we were going to create that result. So like at what like levels, like what were the offers that we were going to have and how we were going to create that as well as like, how are we going to account for it? How are we going to create the cash flow? So it was very much hands-on that I learned how to do every single thing. And I realized that the work that I had, the skills that I had developed in the corporate space uh, were definitely not skills that business owners had from the get-go when they launched their business. So really just seeing the opportunity for the, like where I could help support business owners, because, you know, we talk about how you had mentioned earlier about businesses that fail because of lack of financial management. It was more of like to address that problem, to make sure that businesses were able to like, if they were not going to be successful, quote unquote, it wasn't because they were out of relationship and out of alignment with their business financials. It was that they were, they were attuned to what was happening and that that was not like they were addressing that symptom of avoidance with their business financials and were able to look at other things like product offerings in other parts of the business model, but that financials was not going to be the reason that their business wasn't going to get them to the financial results that they desired. And, you know, getting into a little bit more into starting the business, did you have any mentors that you looked up to as far as who were already running their own company? Yeah. So as I mentioned, you know, working for colleges and universities, I spent part of my career in the back operations of it. So working in the finance departments, building out like all of like the operations and systems and all that. But I also spent a part of my career in the front line meeting with philanthropists. And so, 
you know, it wasn't uncommon for me to work with Fortune 500 executives, to work with uh, CEOs who were on the Inc. 500 list. So working with with business owners and CEOs who had already created these these, you know, multiple eight nine figure businesses was not uncommon for me to like sit across the table and have a conversation about philanthropy. And so like really just having conversations around money, because it always came down to like, for me, like it was asking them for inviting them for transformation through philanthropy, financing financials were always a topic of conversation. So learning from them and just asking like, what are the, like, what are the highs, what are the lows and really developing the rapport. I feel like all of them were really served as, as mentors to me, as well as just different managers and bosses that I had throughout my corporate career that really just helped me think about, okay, leadership, how do I want to show up? And to the point of that, I've taken them into me is like, how do I want to lead as a CFO for my clients and their companies? I love that. And, you know, I want to talk more about the digital aspect of, of your business, because since you've started your company, you've sort of been virtual or have this virtual offering, but I want to look back over these last two years, because so many companies have transitioned their business to being more involved in this digital space and having a, this digital footprint. Have you seen a shift or jump in your clientele over the last two years, just due to the state of the economic environment that we've been in? I'm going to say no. And I think that it was already because I saw that, you know, I still have local clients. They, more of my clients are across the United States and I was already um, setting my sights on that as like a pathway before March of 2020. And it was because I felt like there was, I felt like there was so much opportunity for business owners to have access to someone like me and the services that I provide that I didn't need to just look in my backyard. I could look across the country. And so it was just the strategy that I had. I don't know if it was just some intuitive sense that I like, but it just seemed very clear that the virtual space was expanding. And I just knew that that was something that I needed to be part of. And also because if I really come back to some of one of the, the whys in terms of when I started my business and where I was, I have three kids. And when I started my business, one of the, one of the personal goals that I had was I wanted to get my kids off the bus. And so when I knew that it was, it was not going to be working at an office. And also if I were to have built my business completely locally, you know, creating the expectation that I would come in person, I, that was going to, I felt like that would be a roadblock to that goal that I was looking to, to create personally. So I just decided from the get-go that it was going to be a blending of local and virtual. And, and that's where it is. I mean, at this point, 90% of my business is virtual and in the majority of my clients, you know, I have a rapport with, but it's through zoom. And I will tell you that looking back two years ago, you know, where a lot of industries and companies were trying to figure out like zoom rooms and meeting spaces and all of that, it was, we were just on rinse and repeat, really just trying to focus on how are we going to pivot? How are we going to make adjustments in the business, in the in the forecast plan in order to address the latest situation that we're all faced with and confronted with with COVID? Yeah, I'm like flashbacks to, to Zoom and everyone was hopping on the Zoom bandwagon when Zoom's been out for so long. <laughs> but, you know, you mentioned 
the reason for building some of your business and being local and being virtual and, and you being a mother. And I find that so ironic because the last episode of the show uh, that we recorded was really focused on being a mompreneur and the advantages of having your own business and sort of working from home and sort of creating like that lifestyle that you want that can be accommodating to your family. So I feel like that's so interesting to hear that now from you from a, from a different standpoint. And it's important to really like craft those things out as you're starting your business and you say, wait a minute, these are the type of clients I'm going to go after. They're going to be in this demographic or this region or location or virtual. And if they want me in person, it's not happening. <laughs> exactly. And I, I think that really having clarity and confidence in the offers that you provide to your potential client base having that clarity is going to be so helpful for you. Because again, one of the things that I have always had within me with, as the, the owner of this business is that is the understanding that I choose my clients just as much as they choose me. When I do consultation calls, if I don't feel that our businesses and our philosophies and our values align, I don't extend an invitation for us to work together. It's not because there's anything right or wrong with the way that, you know, the prospective client does business or the way that I do business. It just, I think that there is a, a better fit for that prospect and, and being able to, to not work with someone that may not be a good fit long-term. I feel like every single business owner that is looking to have a, a outsourced function for their financial department, their financial operations, their bookkeeping, their accounting, I feel like they deserve to have a perfect match for themselves. And so if I don't feel that that's a line, I will like, like let them know that and offer a couple of alternatives for them, because it's super important to me to make sure that business owners have the support that they need financially, because it is so critical to being able to create scale and growth and to create an intentional business that aligns with your personal values. And without that, I feel like I wouldn't be living aligned for myself and for what my business is like deeper why is. Yes, definitely. And, and Amy, you know, you've given some really good insight and clarity in regards to, to that particular aspect, but I want to shift back to the money part. <laughs> so shifting back earlier in the show, I mentioned some stats from the SBA and how most businesses are failing in the first two years due to poor financial management. Now, from your perspective and from what you've seen working with various clients, what do you think that number one reason is companies aren't making money? It's because they don't have consistent financial operations in place that are giving them their information in real time so that they can make decisions and pivot. Often business owners are receiving their financial results from last month in the middle of the month that they're currently in. They are looking at data 45 days after the data point had started. If you know for 45 days, that there is something happening in your business. If a product isn't performing, if there is AR that's opened that hasn't closed that you had forecasted in, and you're looking at that 45 days later, that is going to have such an impact on your cash flow. And it will create, especially if you're you're operating on very narrow margins, it's going to create a cash flow situation that can quickly spiral out of control. And so having real-time results 
and financial information will help you see if there are trends that are not favorable. And I think that that's the piece that's missing. I think that business owners see bookkeeping as this means to an end in order to file their taxes. And it's so much more than that. It's a foundation for how you can create and see financial trends that can help you scale and grow your business and keep you operational and keep you running and, and maximize your profitability. Oh, definitely. And, you know, some of those things I also think come into play when you're first starting a business. And I've been a full-time entrepreneur two times in my life. And, and I always tell people there's some months you make money and there's some months that you don't, but you have to be prepared. But I, I know it takes a while, maybe even a few years to really get that positive financial flow. And when I say positive financial flow, it's like, so your net profit is not negative or your bottom line is not sitting at zero. What suggestions can you give to small business owners who are trying to sustain if they are sort of in that situation of that first one to three years where they have that negative net profit? Well, I think that part of it is the forecasting piece of it. So the good news is, is that in year two, you're going to have the information from year one. And it very well may be that the business, like you as a CEO will be a much more evolved CEO because you have a, a year under your belt. So you've got the experience that you're taking in, but you also have data. And so if let's say that, you know, that you have like your Q1 is typically slow because maybe you have something, you have an offer that, that maybe people, it's, you know, people aren't making decisions around what you're offering in Q1. This is not like, this is not a problem, but it's really helpful information for you to say, okay, I know that I'm going to operate at a loss. But I also know that I'm building the framework and building the plan in order to, to rebound in Q2. But having that financial insight of like the prior year results to help inform and make decisions will help you not overwhelm yourself in like, all is wrong. I'm going to lose this business. It's more of like, no, this is what happened last year. Let's be proactive and, and plan ahead of time. So like, how do you do that? I think the way that you do that is by reviewing the financials and then making firm decisions around, you know, are your, like, is your, your net profit, like, is there opportunity for you to make adjustments in your expenses in order to, to help decrease the level of, of loss that you're experiencing in Q1? Does that mean that you have a strategy of more seasonal employees rather than full-time 12 month employees? Do you have software and services that you can put dormant during like periods of time when you are not actively using them? And so just getting really creative with how you can lower your expenses without interrupting the quality and the integrity of your business would, would help. The other thing too, is like having a relationship with your, with your banking institution. A lot of businesses don't have a rapport with their, with their brand, with their bank. And that is an opportunity for you to turn around and, you know, is there a line of credit that you need to maybe access during periods of time when you are just slower? If you're looking at your business and you can see that you have open AR during those slower seasons, can you create a strategy to proactively move that AR from maybe an aged AR of 45 days down to 30 days, down to 15 days? Like 
what are the things that you can do in the slower seasons that will help put you in much greater footing in your peak seasons? So creating the intention and the relationship and problem solving in a really proactive way is how you're able to like leverage the financials to your benefit so that it, you're poised for continued growth and efficiencies. I love it, Amy. And especially the part where you mentioned accessing the line of credit, because I think this goes back to some of what I do and how I speak to my clients and in workshops, I'm always telling the people that want to start a business or they have this great idea. If you have the paperwork done, you have your EIN number, you have your DUNS number, start your business credit early because you never know when you'll need it. And some of the responses I get are so interesting where people will say, well, I don't really need the access to credit right now, or my product hasn't taken off. And it's always when you need it, that's when you don't have it. Right. So Mm -hmm. my motto is like, just stay prepared because it takes, it can take one to two years to build business credit to where you're having large access to capital without having to sort of be that co-signer or personal guarantor on your business. And so that's so important. And I'm so glad you brought that up. And, and I want to flip it over to you just to give any insights that you would have to listeners on business credit. One of the things that I see too often is businesses using credit cards, you know, if they're, they're new and they're trying to establish themselves and they don't have like consistent financials in order to build like a a healthy line of credit with a bank, they go to credit cards. And what I find is that once they see the credit card and there's an open access to, to credit, I find that they make decisions that are not in alignment with the future version of their business and the future version of themselves. And they see it as I need to do this. And they, they're making decisions from a place of lack rather than a place of empowerment. And so again, understanding how you use lines of credit, how you use credit cards and creating an intention, even before you start to use it is super important. If you are someone who has a credit card and you have a healthy month in terms of your revenue and your sales, your profit looks amazing and your cash flow looks great, pay the credit card off. If you know that you have a slower month, then you know make a payment on the credit card, but have a relationship with it. Don't avoid it. Don't not make a payment. Don't lapse the payment, but create super intention behind it. Because what I have seen happen is when clients are coming to me, some of them are coming at the point of, of, of like, I know that I've made a series of bad decisions because I didn't have someone to support me and help me navigate these waters. And so I'm really committed to addressing the debt and I'm really committed to taking the actions of if I need, like looking at all of my expenses, looking at all of my offerings to see how I can course correct this business, because I know that I have something solid here. I just don't know how to untangle. And so just creating that intention from the get-go and not, not being enticed to make business decisions that are like maybe short-term wins that maybe have long-term ramifications. That is such great advice. I think this really gets us to the question of the show is how do business owners separate their self-worth from their bottom line? Because 
if you're a full-time business owner and you're constantly sort of hitting rock bottom, your net profit is zero or it's negative and you're accessing the various credit, of course, yes, it's great that you have access, but you're also sort of building up this debt. And sometimes it sort of takes a toll on you where like you're like, maybe I'm not as successful as I thought I was, or maybe this wasn't a great idea. And sometimes it can really impact your personal life and your well-being overall. What are the suggestions that you would give to those business owners to separate their self-worth from their bottom line? So the first thing that I always say is that when you look at your financials, whether it's on an income statement, a balance sheet, a cash flow summary, or even in your bank account, the numbers are neutral. Your thoughts about those numbers is what is like the mindset work and is where like that is where you really can create the transformation. If you have a loss on your income statement for the month and you have thoughts around yourself where it's like, I must be doing this wrong. I'm not good enough. I'm terrible at math. I'm never going to be well at business. Those thoughts are going to create feelings that are not going to help you want to take the action that's going to drive you to create the results that you want to have in your business. So having that level of awareness around like your thoughts around your financials is really, really, really important. And it is probably the most important thing that you will have to grapple with as a CEO of your business. The numbers are neutral. Your thoughts about them are not. They are optional thoughts and they are the the seeds, if you will, of change. Those are thoughts that you can change over time with really great intention. In terms of your worth, I find that business owners, because they've gone into business for themselves, you know, the phrase that business is not personal that is just not true to them. They, they, business is personal for them. Businesses, small businesses are creating businesses that fuel their lifestyle, that their kids, their, their, their partners, everything that they have personally is derived from this business. And so of course it feels very personal. That being said, you as a person and your worth is always intact. You are born into this world fully worthy, fully capable of receiving and giving love, and you are enough. Those are the three things that I want you to really soak in. And I'm going to say them again. You are worthy. You are enough. You are love. And if you understand those three things, and when you find yourself thinking that your self-worth is tied into your numbers it is the invitation of bringing yourself back to center, bringing yourself back to those three thoughts. I am worthy. I am love. I am enough because the financials, the numbers are neutral. They mean nothing about you. They are just simply numbers that are on a piece of paper that are showing you a formula based on what it's a story of numbers in your business. It is not anything about you. Those results have nothing to do with you and your worthiness. And if you receive that, then that's where you can move forward from a place of, I don't like these numbers. These are not the results I was looking to create. And let's be curious. Let's figure out what is happening here 
so that I can make the adjustments I need in this business in order to create the results that I do want to achieve. And also, like we've talked about before, sometimes there are losses on your, on your financials. They're not a problem. Maybe you knew that that was going to be the case. Maybe you're, you're growing and scaling and trying new things, which you know that there's going to be losses on it. Having a loss on your business is not a problem if you, if you knew that that was going to happen ahead of time. I think that where people get caught up and business owners find themselves in a spiral is when it keeps happening and they're not able to find the root cause for it. And just being able to find the root cause and fix it is what will help you like move, but you have to have a relationship with money. You have to look at your financials and you have to have the financial system in place in order to, to find any symptoms of bigger problems with your business that could create any negative impact. Definitely. Now that was so encouraging. So I'm sure anyone who's listening is probably taking it all in. If they've been struggling with separating who they are from their business. And I love how you said the numbers are neutral. They're just on paper. And, and sometimes you have to sit back and really think about it from a holistic point of view and saying, all right, I am not what the business is doing, <laughs> whether it's good, whether it's bad, you have to create that worth of yourself from a, a different standpoint. So Amy, absolutely love it. And I, I know we're sort of running out of time here for the show, but still some, some more questions I have, and mm-hmm. you have some amazing things that are coming up. So I definitely want to get into that. So, um, anything you'd like to share on what you're working on? Sure. So I started my business working with one-on-one clients and I, this year am expanding that to a group program called the finance edit. And this is to address what I see as a gap in the, in the business space, which is helping businesses that are just starting out or businesses that are in growth in early stage growth, one to uh, one to three years that need everything that I just spoke about today, but are just not ready and in a position to outsource it. So this group program will teach you how to do all of that. It will teach you how to be your own CFO. It will teach you how to create very simple bookkeeping systems so that you can have all of this information available to you um, in a super intentional way so that any money goal that you set is as good as done. And what I am doing here, it's not just like, here's the course, go off, good luck. There's the accountability component of it. There's office hours so that if you have bookkeeping questions, you will get them answered. It is a wraparound support for the business owner who knows that they are keeping it in-house, but wants to make sure that they don't make a mistake and that make sure that they have accurate numbers that they can hand over to their tax person to help them file their taxes. So it is the, the thing that will help you get to a point where then you will, from a place of empowerment, outsource your, your business financials. And it's called the finance edit. And you can find it on my website at myvirtualcfo.co. Awesome. And we'll add a link in the show notes. So if you're interested in connecting with Amy, all of her information is just below. So swipe the screen up. And I want to get into the question of the show. And hopefully you're looking forward to this, Amy, because I always am. (laughs) 
So, you know, over the last seven years of building my brand and working on separating my personal brand from my actual business, I have been successful in sort of building four different brands. Of course, this podcast is one or the naming milestones, motivation and money. But initially the first brand I created was Ballin' on a Budget. And that's my signature workshop. So hosting my financial literacy workshops, it's also a financial workbook. When you hear the phrase ballin' on a budget, what does that mean to you? What that means to me is creating incredible intention and understanding and defining what a need is versus a want. I think that we are trained to think that needs are very specific things and wants are anything that are not needs. And I invite you to define your own definition of need and build a budget around those needs that aligns with the current state of your, your financial situation. Oh, I love it. I, I always love when I hear the different responses and everyone's different thoughts and perspectives. So absolutely love it. Do you have any last words for listeners today? Sure. Um, I am someone who believes that the ability to create transformation, whether it is related to your business or to your own personal self-discovery and improvement journey, and it's this phrase, and it's just two words, it's, it's a very simple phrase, and it's using only two-letter words, and it is, if it is to be, it is up to me, and if you repeat that and know that the power is within you and the spirit is within you to create any result that you wish to have in your life, it will take you to places that you never even thought were places you wanted to go. It's an invitation for transformation and I invite you to adopt it into your life. I hope you've enjoyed the show. Be sure to leave us a review and let us know any ideas you have for a future show topic. And if you really want to show us some love, share this episode with a friend and be sure to join our community online, milestonesmotivationandmoney.com. You can also follow us on Instagram at milestonesmotivationandmoney. Tune in next time.